Well, as we continue in worship, uh, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And I'd like to invite my friend Libby up to read our scripture this morning. People were also bringing babies to Jesus. They wanted him to place his hands on the babies. When the disciples saw this, they told the people to stop. But Jesus asked the children to come to him. Let the little children come to me, he said. Don't keep them away. God's kingdom belongs to people like them. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who will not receive God's kingdom like a little child will never enter it. Luke 18, 15 through 17. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Libby. Tacos and trees. There's, there, there's, there's laughter and there's giggling and there's cheering, and rightly so, because if you've been around Christ's community for maybe more than seven seconds, you know what those two words are in reference to. You know that they speak to my passion and to Nathan's passion. You know that if you've been around Christ's community, I have referenced in a sermon or in conversation my love for tacos. I, I love them. Uh, if I didn't worship Jesus, I probably would worship tacos. It's probably likely. Uh, you've probably heard Nathan in conversation or in sermons wax eloquently about his love for trees. You, you, you know this is true. And uh, so I love tacos. Nathan loves trees. In fact, my, my family, they know that I got, I got taco socks for Christmas. Look at that. Lovely. Just pulled a muscle there. I love tacos. And Nathan loves trees. He has an obsessive compulsive disorder, I think, with trees. Just look at this. is. It's just getting out of hand. We, we, need to, we need to talk. This is a problem. But, but here, in all seriousness, the reason I share this is that we, we all remember the things that people are passionate about. Whether or not we like them or not, we tend to remember the things that people are passionate about. And we tend to identify those passions by how frequent people discuss these subjects. Now, when we come to the Gospels and when we consider Jesus... What are his tacos? What are his trees? When we look at the Gospels, we understand that Jesus, speaking on more than any other subject, he spoke about the gospel of the kingdom of God. More more than heaven or hell or repentance or forgiveness, Jesus spoke on the kingdom of God. More than 125 times in all the Gospels, Jesus spoke about, referred, pointed to the kingdom of God. Even more than tacos and trees, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, which Nathan reminded me, Jesus talked more about trees than he did tacos, but I'll take his word for it. But, but here's, here's what I want us to say. When, when we are walking through the gospel of Luke, if you're new to Christ's community, we've been going through the gospel of Luke, and we're in a sermon series that we're calling Rediscovering the Kingdom. More than any other subject, Jesus taught on the kingdom of God, which, which in some ways is kind of like a very churchy phrase. What does that mean? And we will unpack more of what the kingdom of God is as we journey through Luke. But let me offer a very simple definition for us that may give us some framing about what Jesus is talking about. When, when I talk about the kingdom of God, and when I believe Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God, I believe it means this. The kingdom of God is the realm where God's reign brings about what God really wants. The kingdom of God is the realm where God's reign brings about what God really wants. This is, in small part, what the kingdom of God is. 
And so whether you believe in Jesus or not, if we want to take him seriously, if we're going to know him and follow him, or if you're going to reject him and walk away, make sure you know who it is that you're walking away from. And we must understand Jesus and the kingdom that he was bringing and proclaiming. So as we turn to our text this morning, the one idea that I want us to take away, if we have one thing that we take from our time together, I hope it is this, that the kingdom is for all, but only children enter. The kingdom is for all, but only children enter. So if you have your Bibles, I want them open to Luke 18, and what I'd like to do is walk through our brief text and and explain what it means that the kingdom is for all, but only children enter. But before I do that, just to give some context, it's really helpful when you're reading the scriptures to know what is happening around this passage. So the end of chapter 17, Jesus has just wrapped up his teaching on the kingdom that is to come. And then he goes right into chapter 18, where we see this, uh, a series of teachings and encounters that Jesus has that displays for us the postures of those who are able and ready to receive Jesus' kingdom. And we're introduced to quite an unconventional cast of characters. Uh, we, we see the, the, the persistent widow that, that Nathan preached on last week. Uh, We also see the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We preached on that sermon last year. I encourage you to check that out. It's available online. But in this parable, Jesus shows us that it's not the religious, pious Pharisee. It is the tax collector, the social outcast who goes home justified. We, We will also see next week the blind beggar and the rich ruler that Jesus contrasts very intentionally. And we see that it is the blind beggar who sees the kingdom more so than the rich ruler. But today, we focus our attention on this small story about the smallest of people that Jesus puts on display in a very big way. So who is it that Jesus celebrates? Who is it that that Jesus says is ready and able and primed to receive the kingdom of God? It is children. But to be even more specific, it's infants. It's infants. Did you notice that in the text? Look with me at verse 15. Now they, referring to the crowd, those surrounding Jesus, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. So the picture we have here that Luke is wanting us to see is small, helpless, needy infants. Infants that have have nothing to offer, nothing to give. And and I'm sure Jesus had older children in mind as he's speaking here as well, but he most assuredly was thinking of infants when he declared these words in verse 16. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now there's a bit of an irony here in what Jesus is saying because in this text you see the people who appear to be the closest to Jesus, namely his disciples, rejecting and pushing away the people who are actually closest to Jesus, namely the children. They're rejecting them. They're pushing away. Jesus is too important, too busy for you to come near him. And Jesus takes the opportunity in this moment to do what he does best, which is flip our conventional ways of thinking upside down to say something about life and his kingdom and about how his followers are to conduct themselves. Because you see, one thing we have to know about this context, this culture, is that the way children were viewed and treated is very different from how children are viewed and treated today. You see, children were not these precious bundles of joy that we celebrate and rejoice. 
Children were only valuable insofar as that they were latent labor for later in life. They were only a value add because they were potential workers for society and culture. Children largely were seen as a nuisance, as a liability, and as a burden. But Jesus is showing us something about his his inherent love for children and inviting them to himself, but he is also showing us and teaching us how to enter his kingdom. The kingdom, yes, is for all, but it is only children who enter. Now, I don't know if you've seen um, the 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 television series, uh, The Chosen, uh, that documents and portrays beautifully the life and the teachings of Jesus, but they capture this scene with some creative license for sure about Jesus interacting and welcoming the children. Take a look. Isn't that awesome? That's like, that's, I mean, tear. Oh my goodness. Like what you see, and again, there's creative license being taken in this scene, but what you see is the tender heart of Jesus, not only inviting the children unto himself, but showing the posture of these children Willing and able, ready and open to receive from Jesus is the posture that we are to have. We see Jesus' love for children, no doubt, but we also see him teaching us what it means to receive his kingdom. Now, now this, this teaching, this passage of Jesus welcoming the children, it's in no small part a big reason why the people of Jesus, historically, have been known as being positively pro-life. I mean, the reason why the people of Jesus value and love children and have been actively involved in defending the rights of the unborn, protecting orphans, and in more recent decades being involved in foster care is because of this teaching of Jesus welcoming the children unto himself. And just as a side note, I mean, as followers of Jesus, we should be a people, because of our Messiah, we should be a people whose hearts are broken and that grieve over the injustices and evils of things like abortion. As we approach Sanctity of Life Sunday in a few weeks, we, we recognize the need for the people of Jesus to be involved and work towards radically changing the abortion practices in our nation. And if you're interested in this, I would encourage you and point you to the work of Advice and Aid. Uh, over the last decade plus, Christ Community has partnered with Advice and Aid. It's a crisis pregnancy center in Kansas City. Uh, our Shawnee campus specifically kind of is tied to, to Advice and Aid, but I'd encourage you to find out their work as they seek to provide care and resources and support to families and mothers expecting unwanted pregnancies. But uh, but additionally, the people of Jesus have also been involved in things like foster care and care for orphans, which is why I'm very excited to share, this is new news for us, is that at the Olathe campus, we're beginning a new partnership with an organization called Care Portal. Care Portal is an organization here in Kansas City that seeks to connect churches with social workers who are advocates for uh, families and children in the foster care system. There will be more information that we're going to share about this great partnership and the work they're doing in our city. But in the meantime, I encourage you to check out careportal.org. Visit their website to learn more. There's also information on our website. But I just wanted to share that with you, more information to come. But, But back to Jesus and the children. Again, Luke is showing us Jesus' inherent love for children, but he is also showing us the prerequisite posture of those who are ready and able and willing to receive Jesus and his kingdom, which is why Jesus declares these words in verse 17, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not dismissing the importance of thinking deeply or growing in intellectual curiosity. He's not dismissing that. 
nor is he trying to be condescending. Rather, he is trying to stir our imaginations to think about how do children in their perspectives and their practices and postures, what do we have to learn from them in how we receive the kingdom? It is from our youngest sisters and brothers that we, as grown-ups, need to spend more time learning from. It's a big reason why we at Christ Community value intergenerational ministry, why we love having children in the worship service. Yes, because we do believe children need adults and, and godly influences of those who are older, but if I'm hearing Jesus right, we, as grown-ups, need the influence of younger brothers and sisters influencing us as we seek to know, love, and follow Jesus. So children, yes, we we know that you need us, but we also need you. I, I hope you know that. So after hearing Jesus' words and his teaching about those who are ready to receive the kingdom, the question still remains how. How do we have this posture of children? How do we receive the kingdom in this way? And the first thing I want us to see is that to receive the kingdom of God means that we must have the heart of a child. We must have the heart of a child. If Jesus were to teach on this principle today, I I could hear him using this parable, that the kingdom of God is like a minivan filled with car seats. There's no room in the kingdom for adults who who are too uh, lost and confused, who, who have completely dismissed their need and their understanding of dependence. There's no room for grown-ups who have lost sight of the fact that their accomplishments are not what earned them their status in the kingdom. There's no room in the kingdom for for those grown-ups who are too distracted by their busyness. Jesus calls us to have the heart and the posture of a child, and specifically of that of an infant. I mean, think of what an infant is. An infant is a very needy, dependent creature who is in a constant state of need and dependence throughout its life. And this is where Jesus wants us not to humiliate us, not to be condescending, but rather that we might receive the blessing of life with him in his kingdom. This is where Jesus wants us. The tough thing is that it's precisely where we don't want to be. We don't like being in a place of need. We don't like being dependent upon others. It is hard for us. It's an attack on our ego. But if we want to follow Jesus and take him seriously and live life in his kingdom, that we must have the heart of the child, and that means being okay with being in need. To be a part of Jesus' kingdom means that we must be okay being in need. And this is hard for us. This is really hard for us. We don't like being in need. We don't like depending on others. In fact, sometimes we see it as a weakness, or even in some ways unethical, to be dependent upon someone else. But when we deny that we are in need, what we find is that that not only produces an arrogant pride in us, but it also robs us of a relational joy and connection with others and with Christ. I remember when when Megan and I were married, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky just a week after our honeymoon. We moved to a new city, we knew no one, we moved into a new apartment complex, and within a few weeks of being married and living in a new city, I severely broke my collarbone playing ultimate frisbee, because I'm an idiot, and I had to have surgery. And Megan brought me home from the hospital, still sedated pretty much, like high on drugs, and, and she, ha- she couldn't get me up to uh, our room. So she had to go and knock on our next door neighbors. Juan and Matt came and carried me, still in my hospital gown, up two flights of stairs into our apartment complex. That was a very vulnerable, embarrassing place for me to be. And guess what? Matt and Juan were my best friends in seminary because they saw me in a very, a very vulnerable and dependent place. 
and they loved me and cared for me. In the same way, if we are to be a people who are ready to receive the kingdom of Jesus, we need to be okay being in need. So we need the heart of a child, but secondly, we need the hands of a child. And what this means is that we must be willing to openly and freely receive from Jesus knowing that we have nothing to offer him. In fact, as, as we heard in the, in the children's moment from the Jesus Storybook Bible, I love this portion of it. I want to read it again. You see, children loved Jesus, and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms, and so that's just what they did. So how does Jesus expect us to approach him? How does Jesus expect us to respond to him and receive him? Just like a child. You see, a child is not concerned with customary practices and permissions. They're not concerned with formalities. When they see someone that loves them and is willing to give them a gift, they receive it wholeheartedly. They're not concerned about what others are thinking. There's no fear of rejection or criticism. Children come to receive good things from those who love them. Do we have the same posture? Is this how we view and approach Jesus, or do we see him as the disciples saw him, as too important, too formal, too proper for us to run up to him and receive from him freely? Children receive willfully, joyfully, and openly, and that is how our Lord and Savior wants us to respond. Isn't that right, Eddie? Good job. All right, get out of here. <clears throat> That's a hired actor we hired for this, this stunt. But in, in, in all seriousness, that's probably going to be the only thing you remember from today. But, but if, if we're understanding Jesus right, he's saying to receive my kingdom, you must have the hands of a child. And what that means is that we must be okay with having nothing to offer. We must be okay with having nothing to offer. We must be willing to receive from Jesus knowing that there is nothing we bring that warrants his love and mercy towards us. Yes, Jesus invites us into his kingdom he calls us to be on mission with him, to obey him, and to emulate his practices and his precepts. And we are called to walk in his ways. But the way into his kingdom is with empty hands of a child. As the great hymn, Rock of Ages, sings over us, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or... I die. Friends, it's hard to be in need. We don't like it. We see it as weakness. And I think it's even harder for us to not have anything to offer. We want to have some credit, some kind of responsibility. We want to see our name in the credits of our life and even of our own salvation. But the posture of a child is what Jesus is requiring of us to enter his kingdom. We enter with the heart and the hands of a child. But lastly, we also enter the kingdom through the arms of a Savior. The disciples saw Jesus as, as too important, too proper, too formal for, for children to simply come up to him however and whenever they wanted. I mean, the word, they, they rebuked these parents and these infants for being brought to Jesus, like, like swing and a miss, y'all, like you did not get it. And I think somewhere along the lines, the disciples came to view Jesus as a roller coaster. You must be this high to enter. 
You must, you must meet this criteria in order to receive from him. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, sir, I'm speaking to us as followers of Jesus, we can find ourselves guilty of the same behavior of the disciples, functioning like Jesus' bouncers, determining who gets in and who is out. You must have this kind of theology in order for Jesus to hear from you. You must live this kind of lifestyle in order to have an appointment on his calendar. You must vote for this kind of candidate in order for Jesus to consider spending time with you. You must speak in this tone, in this manner. You must follow these rules and these guidelines before Jesus even considers looking in your direction. And my fear is that there are some of us here who have turned away from Jesus or perhaps have even never considered Jesus because like the children in this story, we were, we were rebuked by some of Jesus' followers. We were told that we weren't good enough. We were told that we had to follow these prerequisites in order to get to a place where Jesus could deem us acceptable to be in his presence. Either explicitly or implicitly, some of us have been told or led to believe that until you get your life together, and ordered in this particular way, Jesus is not interested in hearing from you. And we need to hear definitively that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because Jesus has come not for the, for the healthy. Jesus has come for the sick. He definitively said, I have not come for the righteous, those who think they're righteous on their own. I have come for the unrighteous. He did not say, come to me all, all who have put their lives together, who are well-mannered and completely obedient. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are lost, who are rejected, all who feel that they are unworthy, for these are the ones who will receive my kingdom. These are the ones who know their need for me. These are the ones who will receive my love. If we want to follow Jesus and enter his kingdom, then we need to have the heart of a child that is okay being in need. We need to have the hands of, the of a child that is okay having nothing to offer, but we also need to enter the arms of a savior and be okay with being loved. Which sounds so utterly simplistic, it's like, this is, well, this is one of the easiest application points. But if we're honest with ourselves, this is incredibly difficult for us. For some of us, we struggle with being loved, seeing that we could possibly be looked upon by our Messiah with favor and compassion. And what this story is telling us is that Jesus has come to welcome us into his forever family, into his kingdom that is now and is yet to come. And he has done so because he loves us and he desires to love us forever. And if we are to follow Jesus, if we are to know this Jesus and trust this Jesus and receive this Jesus, then we must be okay with being loved. For that is why our king has come. As the great hymn writer declares, he left his father's throne above so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free for oh my God, it found out me. Friends, the kingdom is for all, but it is only children who enter. It is only those who recognize and are okay with being in need, who are okay with having nothing to offer, and who are okay with being loved. The question is, are we young enough? 
to receive from Jesus? Are we young enough to be dependent and in need? Are we young enough to need Jesus, want Jesus, and be loved by Jesus? The kingdom is for all, but only children enter. May we be found young enough to enter the kingdom of our Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer because you have first come to us. Lord, I, I, I know that in my heart there are times I still think of you and, and interact with you and treat you as though you don't want to be with me, that you look upon me with shame. But Lord, would you remind me and us in this time that for those who are in Christ, you see us as you see your son. Lord, that, that you have invited us to be with you, that you've called the weary and the brokenhearted. So Lord, those right now who, who are in you, would you remind them afresh of your deep love for them as your beloved children? And Lord, for those who are far from you, would you remove the lies and the barriers that keep us from seeing that there is nothing that we can do to make you love us any more or any less and that you have invited us to be with you in your kingdom now and forever. Lord Jesus, would you draw us into deep, beautiful fellowship with you knowing that you have come to bring us into your kingdom. Lord, may we come to you, delight in you, and receive good things from you, our Messiah. It is in his name and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Amen.